Welcome to the additional podcast called Divorce Tips, where I answer some of the most asked questions regarding before, during, and after divorce. These are 10-minute golden nugget episodes to give you as much information as possible from a divorce expert. That's me. Let's go. Welcome to another episode of Divorce Tips, where as a divorce attorney, I concisely and quickly answer some of the most asked questions that you want to know from a divorce attorney, an expert just like me. Today, I'm going to answer the question, what if my spouse is not following court orders? So the first thing you have to recognize if you fit into this category, this means that you have an order from the court that's been signed by a judge, whether it's a temporary order and or a final order, the judge has signed it and therefore there is the small expectation that of course your opposing spouse is going to follow the order. So what happens if you don't? If you don't have an order, if you don't have you know, something signed by the judge, then unfortunately this isn't going to really apply to you because you're not going to be able to enforce it with the courts yet. If you have an order, let's use an example of um, a mutual restraining order that you, the parties will not talk negatively or disparagingly in front of the children about the other party. That's a very, very common restraining order that is put in a lot of divorce decrees or divorce orders. And say you hear that your spouse is doing absolutely the opposite of that, that they're talking very poorly about you in front of the kids and the kids keep coming to you, giving you little tidbits or saying, hey, mom is saying this about you. And you're really frustrated because they're not following. So the first thing you need to do is make sure you're recording or writing this down. So every time your kid says something, hey, mom said this or dad said this, you need to be writing it down. You need to have the specific date of when that was said. And then the second thing is you need to make sure you don't interrogate your kids for more information because you don't want to look like you're making it worse by saying, well, what, you know, interrogating your kids about the conversation. You also don't want to put your kids in a place where they start feeling bad for telling you this information. So just listen. The kids will tell you what you need to hear and then you need to write it down. Second of all, you then need to probably figure out if you can address this with your spouse. So the best thing you can do is probably write an email or a text message, always in writing. Phone calls are hard to prove because a lot of times you're not recording that. But put it in writing and say, I just want to make you aware that the kids are saying that you're saying bad things about me. Obviously, our decree or our order says that you are not allowed to do that. I'd ask you to stop and or could you respond and tell me if, you know, what the kids are saying is true. The reason why that helps is two reasons. First of all, It shows that you're trying to communicate with your spouse about the issue. And therefore, if you have to go to court, you can show, hey, I tried to go to my spouse and try to talk to them first about this. Um, And so it shows that you're trying to be the big kid about it, right? You're trying to like be the bigger person and communicate and try to find out if your spouse is doing these things and if you can resolve it on your own. Courts love that. 
The second thing it does is it, it gets a response usually from your spouse and there's going to be two things. Either they're going to tell you to F off and because they're like, absolutely not. This did not happen. And so you get the full denial and you get this like full on like, I hate you. You're horrible. Why would you ever say that about me? Which you know then is a deflection and is them not able to deal with reality and communicate. So that will help you in court. But it also will then, if they can come back, they can talk about it. You know, hopefully it will lead them to understand what's going on and then they can stop that. Um, if you're in a high conflict personality, a lot of times also they'll then go to the kids and they'll be like, why did you tell dad about this? And the kids will all feel shamed and they'll feel bad, which then will turn around and come back to you. Um, because of course kids just want to love both parents and you can then use that again against them in court because you can tell the court and then she got mad or he got mad at the kids for actually just saying something about what the, you know, you're doing wrong in court. So, so my whole long scenario would be that that specific incident, then if it's not going to get better, if they continue to tell you know, bad things, you can then go to court and you have this just really great case that's been set up to help you prove what they've been doing and their violation in the decree. So I always tell my clients that you should wait to file a contempt action. And contempt is what we call it in Utah or a motion to enforce, a motion for contempt. Um, is I tell my clients that you should wait for three major violations before you go through the time and money spent on filing a motion for enforcement or contempt. The reason why is it costs you money to be able to file this in the court because usually you have to hire an attorney if that's the route you're going to go. And the attorney is going to spend time drafting the motion and then they're going to um, file it. Then there's usually always a court hearing and you have to go to the court hearing. Sometimes if it's a motion to enforce any kind of parent time in Utah, specifically parent time issues have to be mediated before you go to court. So you have to do a session of mediation and then you have to go to court. This is all going to cost you money and you're going to need to have that money up front, right? Your attorney isn't going to do this for free. Therefore, Three major violations usually then make it worth it because you have enough evidence that going to court, you can usually get sanctions against the other party, which would in turn be possibly getting your attorney fees back. Um, going to court on one small violation is going to cost you the same as if you go for three major violations. Does that make sense? So that's why I say journal document, document, document. And then when you get those three major violations, going to an attorney makes that then worth going to court over. Um, the other thing is, is there a major dispute is going to be like missed parent time. They deny you parent time. They make a major medical decision without your input. If you have joint legal custody and they're supposed to do that, um, if they, these are all children, they miss an alimony or spousal maintenance, um, payment, 
you know, they're supposed to refinance the house within 90 days and now it's been six months and they haven't done that. These are major issues. What's a small minor issue? That would be probably to my first point, which was the disparagement, just because the disparagement is sometimes so hard to prove. But a minor issue would be, you know, they they that your kid broke their arm and they were with your spouse and they called you two hours after the arm was broken versus you know calling you immediately um that's probably still a violation but um in my mind would be more of a minor now if they broke the arm took him to the er got the treatment and then didn't decide to tell you until two days later when you were talking to your kid on the phone and he was like hey dad i broke my arm that would be a major violation. Obviously, attorneys can really flesh out what would be considered a minor and a major um, issue. But if it says specific words on your decree that they should not do this or they should do this and they do not do it, that could be considered a major violation. In Utah, to file for contempt or enforcement, you have to show three things that they knew of the order. That's where the order comes into play. That's why you have to have an order for these to work because if it's just common sense, then somebody can always say, well, I didn't have that common sense. So you have to have it in order. You have to have it in writing. So make sure your orders have everything that you need um, to effectuate a good post-divorce co-parenting relationship. But they need to know of the order. They need to have willfully violated it. And willfully means that they knew of the order and then willfully violated it, meaning they purposely chose to not to just disregard it. Um, you have to show that because a lot of times, you know, it's they want to comply. They can't. Um, going back to the refinance example. OK, 90 days to refinance is all well and good, but you have to be able to fi- refinance. So if they have been trying for the last six months and keep getting re- denied, 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 and they have the letters to prove that, the court most likely is going to find that they're not willfully violating it. Yes, they're violating it, but they're not willfully violating it because they actually cannot refinance the house. But the court might give you some other, you know, like relief which is, hey, you have to sell the house now because you cannot refinance it. So there are plays on that as well. Um, Don't wait too long to enforce orders. For instance, there are statute of limitations on collections of child support. In Utah, it's four years. So don't think, oh, I'm just going to wait year after year until my child's about 18 and then I'll take him back to court because you could be losing money. Um, so you want to make sure that you understand your state laws and don't wait too long before you seek out an attorney to try to enforce an order. Child support specifically, if they're not paying child support, you should first of all go to your attorney general's, um, state enforcement action on child support. Every state has one where they will specifically do what's necessary to collect child support for a tiny fee. In Utah, it's called ORS, which is the Office of Recovery Services. And for like $6 every time they pull child support, um, they will do that for you, garnish wages or whatever, because they want to make sure your children are taken care of. So 
So if child support is an issue that you're missing, then that would be the first place I would go before you would go to court. Um, and motion for enforcements, like I said, in the end, you have to also remember a lot of times they're not to punish. So you can file a motion for enforcement and hope that the court is going to punish in some way. In Utah, you could literally get sentenced to jail. But the purpose of it is to bring the party into compliance. So so don't go with this like expectation that they're going to go to jail and they're going to get punished because that's not the purpose of it. The court's going to want to bring into compliance and if they can do that in whatever way they see fit, whether um, their you know, last resort is going to be to send them to jail. So just keep that in mind. Remember, if this is you, if you're having issues with your spouse um, complying with the orders, the best thing you can do is set a consultation with an attorney, talk to them about it, and get specific information that you can be doing to better your case before you um, decide to spend the money to actually file with the court. That's another episode of Divorce Tips. Um, remember, you can message me, DM me on my Instagram and or send me an email at jill or no community at jillcoil.com with your questions love to hear them because we will answer them till next time thanks thank you for listening to this episode if you enjoyed please subscribe follow and share i'd love to hear your questions and feedback you can contact me at community at jillcoil.com see you next time I am an attorney, but I am not your attorney. Any advice given on the podcast is general and shall not be construed as legal advice.